In this episode, it's part two of our in-depth interview with Paulette Jordan. Paulette contrasts her views on Idaho and national issues with her opponent, the incumbent U.S. Senator. We don't have leadership in the state. We don't have a senator willing to do his job, and he's up for re-election. We're offering better leadership that is willing to stay close to the people, uh, as we've always been. And of course, you know, I'm certainly not going to fall asleep on my job. And listen to her powerful call to action for a new generation of leaders. People have to realize that we have no option to just stay quiet. There is no out for us. Uh, We cannot lose faith. Leadership is is within everyone. And if they can understand that they make their decisions via their connection to God and the elements within, they have the powers to make those shifts. This all comes down to getting involved, voting, speaking your mind, encouraging people, staying positive. All this with Paulette Jordan. Welcome to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another edition of IntelliKey Leadership Stories. I'm Mark Stenson, and my co-host is with me today, Kirsten Gouldy. Hi, Kirsten. Hope you're having a great day. Hi, Mark. Always a great day. Awesome. Well, you've tuned in to our second part of our in-depth interview with Paulette Jordan. Paulette is a candidate for the U.S. Senate from Idaho. And in part one, she talked about her tradition of leadership and the mentors and elders who guided her into leadership roles at first the tribal level and now at the state level and the national platform. So we'll just jump right into the second part of our interview. In this section, Paulette talks about her policies and politics, but we kick things off with how are things on the campaign trail interacting with people? Kirsten, why don't we just jump right in? On a a personal side, during this COVID pandemic, you're a very kind of one-on-one small group. You like to get out and be with the people. And has that changed uh, your manner of campaigning as you go across the state? Well, you know, it's changed only in the ways uh, that I would say that it we have to be very respectful and we want to protect our people. And I'm, I'm really big on protecting our elders and our children and, and anyone who is, you know, immune deficient and has challenges in health because we want to make sure that this virus and this pandemic doesn't impact our people in the worst way possible. Uh, and that means you got to lead by example. So we have canceled a lot of our events and we decided not to host all of these in person because back in 2018, when we were hosting events, we would have so many folks turn out that they would be, you know, in lines around the block. You know, as hundreds of people turn out, they actually will pack a space over capacity. And that made it very difficult. Um, while exciting and great, because we love to have the support, it was very challenging. And uh, we just knew that we could not do that in this time. Uh, we definitely don't want anyone contracting the virus or getting sick or spreading the virus. And um, so we just want to be responsible, which is why the events we've had in person, we you know, we've done with masks and social distancing, and we're going to continue to do that. We want to do more events. We have a, a big event lined up with the drive-in theaters. We want to stop and just draw attention to uh, all the issues that are happening right now that people should be aware of because we have what feels like a civil war within our state. Um, we have folks who are going into the Capitol State House, and um, unfortunately, uh, you know, we do see a contradiction in you know people's mentality and belief systems, and that contradiction, unfortunately, is um, not only causing a stir but it's creating this um, campaign of misinformation. And we just want to make sure that people understand that there are real data that can be collected. And and if they look at the data like we are, they got to understand that this is a very real pandemic. I mean, the the virus is very real. The day that this one lady uh, tweeted out that 
there is no pandemic, there's no virus, and it's not real. Ten people were reported that same day to have died because of COVID. And then I got a call from my uh, second mother from the uh, Fort Hall community who said that the COVID virus had hit an impact of their community, taking over 23 people out of work. And so that impacts entire families. It's a whole network in the southern region of Idaho. And I, you know, we all know that it's real, but we have to have someone who is willing to champion this message and who is willing to stand up for the people's rights to be safe and to be protected and to have COVID relief funding because our businesses are, you know, they're closing down. People are out of work. No one's looking out for their unemployment. No one's looking out for their health care. No one's looking out for their, uh, their right to feel uh, safe and, and still be comfortable. And as people are looking to pay their next month's rents and facing evictions uh, and there's no rent freezes and there's no element to support their food on the table and we're exhausting food banks at the same time. And then now we're looking at, you know, the, the voting element, like, okay, there's just a lot happening for people, you know, and I think that's going to be the challenge is where's our leadership. And for me, it's going to be, well, I'm here. I know our senator is nowhere to be found. He's not trying to look out for the people. He's not even trying to do his job in D.C. to find bipartisan legislation for COVID relief for our people. So we have to just draw attention to how hard our our frontline workers are working, you know, and the sacrifices that they make for Idahoans, um, which is why we want to visit locations and just, you know, draw attention in those ways to help people understand that this is very real. Uh, and then we're going to host more events around just the, the issues that we want to draw attention to from the U.S. Postal Service to people having the rights to vote. The last tour I did was about the census. I wanted to make sure that people were involved and participated in the, the U.S. Census because they have to understand that when they fill out a simple form that took me less than five minutes uh, for myself and my two sons, that will make a great amount of difference because that's millions of dollars that would come into our community that will help with roads and uh, our health clinics, especially in rural areas where we need that, that extra boost of funding. You know, and it goes to our schools. And we have all of our, our counties that are now still having to deal with the, the fallback from Rish when he was governor for a brief stint, you know, mm-hmm. and how that set back our entire, entire school structure and uh, funding. And so they, they had levies, levy elections yesterday and the day before. Uh, in different counties. You know, thankfully, uh, I hope a majority of them passed, but um, the fact that they're still relying on these levies, that was, uh, that's a struggle, but we're starting to see some of the, the disconnection between uh, those who vote in the levies and the, the, the November election. So we hope to, to square that away uh, with the Secretary of State's office, but also people need to be aware that it's not only getting harder to vote, but they're, tra- they're starting to talk about closing down polling locations. So by trying to keep everyone abreast to all of these issues throughout our tour, that's, that is our great challenge because yeah. we don't have leadership in the state. We don't have a governor willing to do his job. We don't have a senator willing to do his job. And he's up for re-election. You know, we're offering better leadership that is willing to stay close to the people uh, as we've always been. And we're willing to do our job, but 10 times better. And of course, you know, I'm certainly not going to fall asleep on my job. That's you alluded to. You know, and six months ago, I would have asked you this and almost in jest. It's like there's a sitting senator who fell asleep literally on the job. But as you pointed out, as time goes on and the issues start to snowball, and it's just getting more serious and the issues get more serious. What do you hear? I'm just so surprised that somebody can literally fall asleep in the U.S. uh, Senate and that not a bigger issue. It's unheard of, especially in the most important time of our nation's history when we're talking impeachment of a president. Uh, But the fact is that, you know, people know that 
we need leadership to be awake. And whether that's, uh, you know, physically or metaphorically, you know, he's been asleep at the wheel the entire time he's been in office. I mean, this man has been there for 44 years and 11 years in the U.S. Senate, but having not but passed two bills in the U.S. Senate in all of 11 years means that this man has done nothing but sleep on the job. And no one goes to him. I mean, I've worked on the Hill for the last 10 years representing my community across the country. And I, you know, I've learned that people knew, they know who to go to uh, as a respectful leader who will do the job. They definitely know not to go to Rich. Rich is not respected by even his own peers. There's no one that I know who would speak highly of this man. And being that I've worked amongst many of these individuals on both the left and the right, that says to me a great deal. But I've known this for a long time. And I've known this from people here in our state, congressional representatives who know this man very well uh, because of the fact that they've served together. Uh, and, you know, and he's clearly not from Idaho, but I, you know, while it's clear that he's not from Idaho, it's also clear that he doesn't ever come to Idaho. And you have to come to Idaho to understand the people. And so the, for the first time ever, he's trying to come here to look like he's doing something. But to me, I think it's just, you know, it's a joke because no one's that foolish to believe that for being gone for that long, for the 11 years that he's been in office in the U.S. Senate, that you're going to try to throw this Hail Mary to, you know, to throw uh, the rule over people and somehow fool them to think that you're going to actually start to do your job now. Mm-hmm. And so that was actually my question for you. How has he gotten away from it? Like what? So there's a systematic problem there, right? That's a systemic situation where they just keep getting reelected and reelected. That's the asleep factor. So how do you, because you really are representing a state that is a huge divide. And I love Idaho. How do you bridge this? You, you'd be representing two totally different people. Yeah. Well, I would say to a lot of people who see me as being, um, you know, Rich is, first of all, he's trying to promote any Democrat as being socialist, which is funny because this man is the best socialist that Idaho's ever seen. He's a socialist that has only given money away to billionaires and corporations. So that's called you know, capital socialism. But I, this guy is funny. Um, while he's worse for humanity and nature and, and business in our state, um, having driven away trade agreements uh, to benefit our ag community, I would say that you know people have to understand in our state, the people who've come in, um, especially to North Idaho, because I've been here for many generations, uh, our people are very giving and forgiving, you know, and they're very neighborly. Yes. People come in and try to change that culture. You know, that, that is what I say isn't welcome here in Idaho. You know, and you have to definitely be very bold with your action and the way you are and stand to someone who is going to be disrespectful, you know, and act out against a community. And I've had to do that a few times because I, you know, I just, I look at it in this way that my mother would. And my mother is all but like five foot four, but just a powerful spirit in and in of herself. I've watched her take on uh, people who are out of the state kind of trying to come in uh, with these values of feeling that you know, white supremacy is the way. And, you know, this uh, one gentleman who was a very built up, muscular, wise, uh, young Caucasian male, he uh, actually pushed a young brother of mine out of the way as he was walking. He says, out of my way. And he just pushed him. And he was just minding his own business, my younger brother. And this is out in the country. We're you know, out by a river. My mom and her smaller self compared to the giant size of this guy, uh, she's turned around and she says, excuse me. And he said, what? Are you talking to me? And then she says, excuse me, you just pushed this young man out of the way for no reason. You had no right to do that. And, and he came to push her. And he actually tried to start a fight with my mother, this small indigenous woman. 
And she did not back down. She was a bulldog, but she was willing to fight back yeah. because she was fighting for dignity and, right. and the respect of that. And that whole interaction, that man's lack of respect to fellow mankind spoke volumes to her. And she says, that is not right. But she shows me every day that this is where we have to constantly stand up for ourselves and stand up for others. And this young man is not her son, but to her, anyone who's being bullied or mistreated is her child. Everyone who's being bullied and and mistreated is my relative, my child, my sons, my daughters. And so we have to stand up. But I, I would say to you this, when you were running for office and we're representing you know the vast diverse a range of people that are living here for me it's being respectful to everybody you know i've heard some names thrown out and say oh that person's horrible uh, and this person uh, you know just bad for idaho and i would say well in the end i have to represent all these folks and um, you know that's just the way it works you have to be mindful of everybody whether you disagree with them or not um so for me that's my job that is not your family's job to do that um and that's why i'm stepping up to to take the heat for for people but that's what leadership requires you know and if we don't have leadership doing that then get the hell out of the way and rich he's not doing that he's not here in idaho he's never even been here uh his wife may live here but he, this man would never come here to idaho to actually listen and stand up for the people and even if they are, you know, not people who I would disagree or agree with, you know, I'm still going to talk with them. I'm still going to stand up and try to protect those who are being bullied uh, because that is my job. That's my role as a leader. And that's why we need leadership in our state. That's why I'm running. You know, we, we definitely need people to, to stand up and uh, try to create some order in the state. And I, I will tell you this because I, I felt that uh, it was sort of a slap in the face when I heard Rish at a state convention say that, he is the candidate of law and order. He is the party of law and order. And I've heard that at this RNC convention, that we are the party of law and order. And yet neither one of them, from Rish on down, are really following law and order. They break the laws to, re- to make them to what they feel fits them best. But they don't even do that. They just continue to break them. And I think if they think they're so above the law, why would they call themselves the party or the candidate of law and order? That's great. I have a question about that. Sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. In the indigenous cultures, there's an incredible amount of missing girls. Can't find them. Nobody's listening. And sex trafficking is becoming more of a conversation, and yet there's no visibility. And that's a humanity conversation. These are our children. So how do you address the sex trafficking you just said it right there, law and order for convenience. And that is what it is. We, we have a hard time getting Republicans to support legislation to support sex trafficking issues at the national level, especially when it comes down to murdered and missing indigenous women, which have a higher uh, ratio of uh, women who are uh, attacked or murdered. I think now I, then that number may be much larger than we realize because the, the government has refused to pass uh, legislation that supports collecting the data. So that we can have studies to report on to show that this is the leading cause and this is what needs to be addressed. Um, But because the Republicans have refused to pass legislation in a bipartisan bill to actually support this issue, that's become a a, a continual problem. But I will say that with my experience with social media on the rise and always having such a powerful play in young people's lives, they must understand that they are seen as easy targets in some ways. Young people are... I would say sought out when it comes to a relationship or when it comes to trying to catch their interest in something. You know, I tell my sons to be very careful. Um, and it's, it's challenging because a friend of mine who actually will go and find missing women or missing girls, 
he says that is usually a big part of the problem is they will find someone on the internet uh, and social media who talks to them very sweet and lures them in. And as soon as they get lured in, they, you know, they'll say, let's meet up. And then when they meet somewhere, or, you know, have a, uh, try to set up a more intimate conversation, uh, they, that's when they, they get locked in. There's just challenges and ways to protect our, our young people, but it is very real. And of course, even sex trafficking of our young children is very real. Uh, babies, uh, we've seen that within Indian country because um, the Savannah's Act is actually based off of a young mother whose uh, baby was cut out of her womb and then she was murdered and thrown into the river and they took her baby. You know, And that's not a, a story that is, I would say, far removed from what we've seen um, in, our, in our history. Um, because that is very common and unfortunately an untold story at the national level with the media. But we're starting to see more and more folks talk about it. Great commentators like Ben Jones on CNN, you know, he is talking more about this issue. He has brought some light. Uh, and I think for um, some of the national media, they're starting to see it and they're, we're pressing with them. Hey, this is, this is a very real issue of concern of ours. You know, we need your help. We need more light on this issue. And as we're getting more attention to, to draw to the families that are facing this crisis, you know, this is an epidemic that is, is facing not just the indigenous community, but it's facing a lot of communities in rural areas of our country and even in the cities with young women who are trying to seek a better life or just going through um, challenges within their, their livelihood. So I, I would just say to be very careful. And, you know, this is why we want to protect our young people and even, you know, looking to the, some of the issues, I, I would say that, uh, you know, this is also why we must support law enforcement in other ways to figure out how they can work with cross jurisdictions, you know, to understand that recovering our young people and then keeping them home safely, that's, that is one of our challenges right now. So, yeah, I just know that if people don't think that this is real, you know, they really have to look at the numbers, but we also have to start collecting the data too to show these reports. Yeah, Thank good. you for not shying away from that question. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so mindful of our time. You've been so gracious uh, in talking with us. I'd like to put some punctuation and kind of wrap up our conversation with your point, uh, the story about your grandma. I'm five foot four, I can see the diminutive lady uh, facing up to the challenge right now. But that, that idea of dignity, you know, close us out with this. We all want our dignity, uh, I guess. And that might be true on either side of the barricades of protest. That might be the case on either side of the political aisle. But the, the hope, the potential, as we've been talking about, reaching your full purpose, well, where do we go from here? People have to realize that, uh, you know, we have no option to just stay quiet. You know, there, there is no out for us. Uh, we ha- cannot lose faith and, uh, and the understanding that we are the ones who will make that change. Um, when I was talking to an elder of mine in a ceremony, it came down to my understanding that I have to remind folks that leadership is, is within everyone. And if they can understand that they make their decisions via their connection to, to God and the elements within, they have the powers to make those shifts and to not succumb to being defeated or the feeling of defeat. And this all comes down to getting involved, voting, speaking your mind where you, you know, you're wherever you're po- wherever possible, uh, encouraging people, staying positive. And that is not easy to do right now, you know, especially as they're being isolated in their homes and worrying about COVID and worrying about the financial crisis and worrying about, uh, you know, the politics. And I would say that, you know, just be prayerful and keep the faith and, you know, just continue to love on yourself uh, and, and don't take your own spirit for granted. Know that there's a reason that this is all happening. There's a reason that, you know, this, this time that we're experiencing 
is happening. And for those who are connecting and trying to grow within themselves and even growing out of the, the mental health issues that people are having or the, the disconnection that they had with their families or disconnection they had with the land, uh, the disconnection that they have with all the elements that are out there, this is their opportunity to connect. And I hope that they will find that ability, that time to do so. Because while we have it, you know, take full advantage because this is how you grow. And to me, this is a way for us, this opportunity is you know, really a time for everyone to grow. And as they're growing, they become better human beings. And as we become better human beings, we become more awakened to what's happening out there. And then we can fight back. But again, nothing changes when you have um, an administration like ours that's suppressing people, suppressing votes and suppressing dignity and suppressing access to economic uh, prosperity. But when people understand that all of these uh, things are being taken from them, and the fact that they are not being treated fairly and with just cause, and you know, once they start understanding the strength within, they're, they're going to fight back and take over. Thank you. Yeah. Hope to do the the show again anytime. Uh, we'll try to work it out. Stay safe on the campaign trail, and all the best to you and your family. All right. Thank you so all much. Right. Thank you. Well, Kirsten, what a terrific conversation we just had with Paulette Jordan. I mean, you know, even as we prepared for this, I remember us talking about, look, this we are not meet the press. You know, we are not face the nation, NPR. We are not trying to you know, argue her politics and policies. And I think uh, at least we fulfilled on that. We got to know her. We got to know her in an intimate way. You know, we spoke of policies, we spoke of ideas, but we got to know who Paulette was, how she came to be, and what shaped her. So I loved how she talked about that. And, you know, take that into the halls of government. Take that right now. I mean, we have an ineffective government for all of the United States, right? And perhaps even globally. We are shut down. They cannot pass a bill, get anything done, come to a decision. I mean, it's at a halt. It's broken. It's essentially broken. So imagine if the initial intention was do what's right for everybody. Imagine. Like if that was the pre- if that was the prevailing principle and the thread that started every session of Congress or the Senate, it would be mind blowing. Or okay. God forbid, the presidency. Let's like stop yes. with the presidency. Exactly. Well, I guess going back to this practical life thing. You know, isn't the contrast, I guess, between, you know, you've talked about the going to the mountaintop and chanting and meditating, you know, that you cannot be out of this world, that we must be living in the world and be practical about it. Mm -hmm. Connect a little bit with that and some of the things that she was talking about from a principal standpoint. Yeah, you know, it's funny, you and I were just talking about that. And, you know, I started getting passionate about it because we have this thing called spiritual bypass. Right. And people want to you start feeling good when you start having your spiritual awakening and you're seeing the light and you're connected in, you know, meditating and being gone consciously is very blissful. You really don't want to come back. That's the truth. It's like being on LSD without taking LSD. Right. Like you just don't want to come back. You know, oftentimes people only they, they become spiritual and they only want to deal with the foo-foo, fuzzy, light, happy. And I like you saw me do it. I said, we're going to ohm on the mountaintop, right? We're just going to go ohm on the mountaintop all day long. And I'm not getting involved in any of these issues because I'm so spiritual. I'm just going to send the light. I'm just going to send the love, right? But what Paulette spoke to 
was accountability and responsibility for protecting and preserving things that are essential to all of humanity, i.e. the environment. So if we're on the mountaintop, oming our way, spirit has given us the ability. I'm going to use spirit, please. People insert whatever you want. I'm not here to give you advice on what to believe. But spirit gave us brains to use, gave us a voice to use, to act on information. So if we're just going to ohm on the mountaintop and pray and look for change, you know, hope for change and never go down to protect our environment, chances are our environment's going to go away, right? You need people who are willing to stand. And, and Paul had spoken over and over and over what do you offer up to the to the youth be active be active mm-hmm. participate get involved use your voice use your power stand in your power don't sit back don't be apathetic i mean she said it in a thousand different ways but what she said was don't sit on the mountaintop and own you have to be responsible and accountable. And those are just using her words, right? So the spiritual bypasses both emotionally, but it's also externally. What does it matter if I'm fully enlightened and my world and my neighbors are falling apart? Is that really enlightenment? (laughs) I'm so enlightened that I can That you're meditating and chanting while your next door neighbor needs help. That's not enlightenment. That's not, Gandhi knew that. That's why Gandhi sat in protest and didn't eat. He knew that his enlightenment was needed to be active. Well, that's a very good point. He said, I'm going to go to the ocean and make salt. I'm going to go weave the yarn. I mean, he had to, he had to take action. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. He had to take, yeah. Well, what a, what a terrific episode. And like you, Every guest is <laughs> my favorite. So someday when we're ranking these, it's going to be a really hard day. Yeah, I don't <laughs> so, I'll never come up with just one. <laughs> there's no just top 10. Uh, absolutely. Well, it's been so fun. Paulette graciously offered at the end, I hope we caught it, that, hey, maybe we'll do this again sometime. So if you have comments or questions that you'd like to ask uh, Paulette, I think we will be talking to her again uh, yeah. along the way. And uh, we'll be sure to understand you know, where, where the issues are, where the questions are. So uh, all of our listeners, feel free to weigh in on that in the comments. Yeah. And Mark, before we keep close, I I know we're just about to wrap up, but I think there was something she touched upon and we didn't give it enough airtime. So I want to bring it to the forefront. We are watching voters' rights go out the window, systematically being stripped from redistricting to our electoral college, from our missing post office boxes to the stripping, the timely stripping of funding of USPS. So even all of my Etsy packages are missing, by the way, (laughs) they're missing since the beginning of August. That being said, she really spoke to that. So if there's any area to not be apathetic, it is the very core of our constitution and democracy. I mean, I'm very vocal about I don't like our two-party system. That being said, this is not the time to be apathetic. Yeah, the power of the vote is uh, essential. Yes. So if there was ever a time that it actually matters, it's now. Now. So stay active. Let's all stay awake. Again, there was a bit of an analogy and metaphor and double meaning there, but we all must stay awake. That is for sure. Stay awake. 
stay woke, Mark. Stay woke. Stay woke. Exactly. <laughs> I'm there. Well, thanks again to Paula Jordan for being our guest. Kirsten, thanks for just being a terrific uh, partner in this. Uh, it, it's such a great ride. So, and to you listeners, we look forward to having you uh, join us again for our next episode. Most of all, join us to hear these stories of leaders and their journeys as they reach their full potential. And of course, here's to you as you grow in your own IntelliKey and as a leader in your own business and in life. Thanks for listening. Beautiful. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our websites, www.pureintellikey.com and www.mark-stenson.com. Intellikey Leadership Stories is copyright 2020. You can find this on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Thanks for listening to Intellikey Leadership Stories.